Good morning, everybody, and, and welcome, welcome to Essex Church, where this community of Kensington Unitarians meets each week for worship as well as other activities. In today's service, we're recognising the start of Advent. We're exploring its themes of waiting and hoping and of preparing for that which is to come. So to prepare ourselves, let's take a moment now to bring ourselves fully to the here and now, to this time and this place. We've busied ourselves to arrive this morning. Some people I know have had demanding journeys, but we are here now. It's the dark time of the year. It's a time, I think, when a symbol of, of light can bring us cheer. And so I've lit the first of our Advent candles today as one such symbol. This flame, this small flame, can represent the triumph of hope in the darkest hour, the power of love to overcome evil, the strength of human courage and warmth in the face of adversity. May we all know and use our abilities to be as shining lights in the darkness. And when dark times assail us, as they sometimes do, may we be guided along life's path by the shining lights that others bring. Welcome. Welcome to you all. On the order of service sheet, it says stories of patience and impatience. And I, I always think that... Um, Buddhism is, is one of the world's religions that, that best teaches about patience and, and our oh-so-human impatience. I, I once um, watched a film of the Dalai Lama speaking, and, and he told the story of how as a, a young child, he actually did that, that classic thing of starting to grow a plant, seeing the little shoot pushing up, and then he could not resist pulling on it just to help it come out a little more and realising of course from that that he destroyed the root system that was slowly and patiently making its way down into the earth and it's, it's always stayed with me that image but, but this, is a, this is another um, teaching from the Zen Buddhist tradition it's designed to uh, remind people who want to rush that there is a natural order and a pace and a rhythm to everything and that it's not for us humans to imagine we can control that pace. So you may have heard that there was a businessman who discovered a spiritual aspect to his life. He wanted to know more. So he signed up for every course that was going. He followed the teachings of several, several gurus. He read self-help books every night in bed before sleep. And the bookcase started to groan under the weight of those books. And then it was that he heard of a truly wise Zen master. And he knew, he just knew that he must become the pupil of this teacher. And at last, at last he found himself in the presence of this teacher, who he begged to take him on as a pupil. And eagerly, he told the teacher all that he'd been studying and reading and thinking and doing. And the teacher listened quietly for some minutes. And finally, when he could get a word in edgeways, he politely asked the man if he would like a cup of tea. Oh, yes, please, came the reply from the businessman who'd found spirituality and wanted to know exactly what he must do now to reach enlightenment. 
And so the teacher poured the cup of tea. But instead of stopping when the cup was full, he kept on pouring and pouring tea until it cascaded over the cup, over the tray, on the table, started to drip down onto the floor. Master, exclaimed the businessman, why are you pouring tea all over the floor? The teacup is full. Ah, yes, said the teacher calmly. You see, your mind is like this cup. It's already too full. And yet you want to come and study with me so that you can cram even more thoughts and experiences and ideas into your busy life. If you wish to study with me, I suggest you go away and return only when you feel yourself to be an empty cup. I always think that story was told just for me. (laughs) and my self-help books. It's a book from my self-help section. (laughs) Slowing down to the speed of life, a useful one for some of us. It's, um, It's called How to Create a More Peaceful, Simpler Life from the Inside Out, and the authors, Richard Carlson and Joseph Bailey, they're speaking of the importance of us slowing down, but, but rather than it, it being about outer slowing down, one of the key issues for them is for us to slow down our thinking and to slow down the reactivity of our emotional lives, um, which I think is, is quite a, a theme for some of us. In this little section, it's called Learning from Children. One day... As Richard was taking one of his daughters to the beach, he had some minor tyre trouble on one of his car wheels, and he stopped at a service station to have it repaired. And while Richard and his daughter waited, they walked across the street to play at the park. Within a few minutes, Richard began to get impatient. He looked at his watch. His mind was on his plan, the beach. He began urging his daughter to come back with him to the car so that they could drive to the beach and have some fun. Richard started saying things, as one does to children. Come on, darling, think about how much fun we're going to have. And at the time, her response surprised him, but in retrospect, of course, it made sense. She said, in no uncertain terms, I don't want to go. I want to stay here. And her obvious feeling was... Why on earth should I want to get back in a hot car and drive for two hours each way so that I can have fun when I'm already here in a beautiful shady park having a great time with my dad and other children? Now this is not to say, the authors write, that it's never appropriate or important to stick to your original plan. If it's something you truly want to experience or if you feel it's important for your child to experience. But... Think about it for a moment. A two-year-old girl is smiling in a sandy park, playing and laughing with other children, completely absorbed and joyful in what she is doing. She's made sandcastles, she's pouring water, she's climbing on the play frame. How could anything possibly be more fun than that? Her dad, however, can't stop thinking about his plan to go to the beach. Rather than sharing in his daughter's incredible and visible joy, he's focused on something that's going to be even better. Generally speaking, children are masters of living in the present. But isn't it easy to squelch this tendency? 
innocently, without even knowing it, we teach them that someday life will be better, or right now isn't quite good enough. That was the message Richard's daughter was getting from him. Being able to immerse ourselves in the here and now is magical. And as we do, a renewed sense of gratitude and awe can begin to resurface in our lives. We've already seen that present moment living is an antidote to worry, to concern, to frustration and regret. What we see through examples such as this is that present moment living is really the key to enjoying and appreciating every aspect of life. Thoughts from a two-year-old. You can tell a lot about someone by how they behave with Advent calendars. You know those calendars that take you through the month of December, one day at a time, with a little door to open each day. It, it wasn't so bad when I was young, um, or when I was very young, because Advent calendars then only opened to reveal a picture culminating with baby Jesus smiling in a manger um, with an accompanying donkey on the 25th. But halfway through my childhood, and presumably some of yours, uh, problems began when, when manufacturers realised that an advent calendar was much more fun and therefore much more marketable if each door hid a chocolate. Here suddenly was a test of character for children everywhere. Would they dutifully and patiently open a door each day in December, or would they not? I can't remember how old I was when I first decided not to wait till the 25th to eat what was always a slightly larger piece of chocolate, marking the special nature of the day. Nor do I recall which year it was when I started to eat the days backwards, or I randomly ate them, or I ate them all in the first week. And worst of all, what prompted me to start eating my brother's and sister's advent chocolates, <laughs> carefully opening the door, removing them, then closing the door again. So it looked as though it had never been touched. Then you could go, surprise! <laughs> yep, you can tell a lot about someone by the way they eat their advent calendars, and sometimes other people's. Well, we can eat all the Advent chocolates that we like, but we can't make time go any faster than it already is going. December starts on the 1st, Christmas Day is on the 25th, and Advent marks the space between the two. It's the start of the year, the liturgical year in the Christian church, and it is traditionally a time of waiting, of preparation, of making space for the birth of the Christ child within us. It's a very different message from the consumerist countdown of only so many shopping days left till Christmas. Advent reminds us that life has a certain pace of its own, which we can fit in with or we can push against, but it is still a pace that is going to unfold of its own accord. What is that Buddhist saying? That you can't push the river. It has its own flow and momentum. And we do well to accept that and flow with it. I don't know about you, but the times when I've understood that most clearly have been the profound times, often at the start and the end of life. The experience of waiting for the death of a loved one or of waiting for someone to be born. Those are the times when we're called to wait and wait patiently for life to unfold as it will. 
For St. Augustine, patience was the companion of wisdom, for it's the wise who know how to wait. Wait in hope, in expectation even, but wait patiently nonetheless. For it's in waiting that we learn to slow down to the speed of life, as the writers of that reading earlier on were explaining. Now, this is not the waiting that we perhaps... Now, actually, looking around at you, enlightened beings, you've gone beyond this already. But the kind of waiting I do, you know, in traffic jams, that little drumming of the fingers, the queue at the bus stop or in the post office or the bank. Now, this is not an impatient drumming of the fingers, feeling irritated kind of waiting. Now, this kind of waiting is a spiritual act. It's an acceptance of what is and what will be. It's a willingness to allow life to unfold, to poke its tender shoots up above the earth, reaching for the light. This is the faith that allows us to maintain hope and possibility when nothing is certain, attached not to our preferred outcomes, not to our expectations or our intentions, but just faith in the idea that life does unfold, does come to pass, and we have the strength and we have the wisdom to work with what is, whatever it is. This is the mystics' teaching throughout the ages, through all religious traditions. Stop. Turn inwards. Focus on the here and now. Let go of past. Let go of future. For now is the only time there is. It may be sometimes that the here and now requires action of us. There are times to move, to struggle, to make determined efforts to improve our lot and the lot of all those we share our world with. But there are also times to wait, to attune ourselves to the deeper rhythms of existence. German poet Maria Rainer Rilke writes well of this inner life in these verses from his book of Hours. My life is not in this steeply sloping hour in which you see me hurrying. Much stands behind me, and I stand before it like a tree. I am only one of my many mouths, and at that, the one that will be still the soonest. In the next verse, he goes on to describe himself as the rest between two notes. How beautiful is that? The rest between two notes. My hope for all of us in this time of Advent is that we are blessed with this ability to turn inwards. This ability to find the deeper rhythm that pulses gently through us. This ability to focus on the pause between the notes. For then, well, then perhaps we are able truly to hear the sweet music of life singing that age-old song of this time of year. Peace on earth, goodwill to all. Amen.